that we are back with another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast, Ivy Sports Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Keith Fleming. Since we always do this or try to during the introductions, I'll call myself Ryback. And joining me today, I have the honor of having Sam Howe and Ronald Tinsley, aka Kane and Daniel Bryan. What's going on, guys? Uh, I am doing quite well. I guess that I would be Kane in this because yep. I am the big red machine. Yep, exactly. Um, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> see, <laughs> it all works out. Oh, uh, and I'm a team player because I'm not even mad that I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Bryan. Uh, yeah. But you do have the uh, most eliminations up until a few years ago in the history of the Royal Rumble. So, you know, you got that going for you. And you have a hatred of Pete Rose that nobody can really quite explain, but uh, yeah, you, you tear him up on a regular basis. This is, there's actually uh, – well, I'll, I'll share this story after, never mind. But there's <laughs> Pete Rose's story from when he was playing in Philadelphia. So, um, we're going to this week cover SummerSlam, TakeOver – and the dynamite from Saturday night. It was a big weekend of wrestling. Um, the last few weeks we've got into for the week of wrestling, doing the wrestler on the rise, wrestler on the slide, the match of the week, um, storyline you should be paying attention to, face of the week, heel of the week. And since there was two pay-per-views and also AEW had a Saturday night and they obviously put together a pretty good card, uh, we're going to do it for each one of those, uh, the two pay-per-views and the episode. We're going to start with SummerSlam. I think this will get us to talk about everything, but before we move on from pay-per-view to pay-per-view or pay-per-view to show, if there's something we missed, you know, we'll bring it up because we all like to talk anyway. Um, SummerSlam, I thought overall was a good pay-per-view. My biggest, like, thumbs up, thank you, WWE um, I know that the three of us have discussed this before, that one of the reasons we like NXT's pay-per-view so much is they're shorter. They don't have as many matches, uh, and you just don't have as much filler and matches you don't care about, and, you know, it only holds your attention for so long. SummerSlam was relatively short. I believe it was maybe three and a half hours, if that, if you include the pre-show. Uh, I hope WWE continues to do that. It, I was actually shocked when it was like 10, 15, and I realized – it's over. Like, I don't have to stay up for another hour. Um, but let's get right into it. I'll start with this first one because I'm probably the most excited about this. The wrestler on the rise for me is, and my best Michael Cole voice, the big dog is back. Roman Reigns at the end of what I thought was a really good match between um, the Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and Braun Strowman, he attacked both guys. Um, he, he laid out both guys. He, he ended the pay-per-view holding the belt up, which I wasn't sure if that was just good storytelling or Vince just trolling all of the internet wrestling fans or just trying to get people pissed off at Roman Reigns again, who had built up all that goodwill uh, from obviously when he was out sick and we missed him for a while. But I'm very glad that he's back. I do worry, and it is a legit question about, is this too much too soon? They're going to have a triple threat match, payback. People are already drawing the conclusion that Roman Reigns is going to be champion. It needs to be reminded that, you know, he had a title shot 
that technically didn't earn, but he did have a title shot against Goldberg at Mania. He lost that because of the pandemic and, you know, his health conditions. He had uh, newborn twins. But I just hope that they kind of had him as just like silent assassin, which I think is at most parts the best of Roman Reigns is when he doesn't talk too much. He's more of a betweener. We can get into just a few minutes of some of the words that he said uh, after he attacked both guys that was caught up by, uh, by the microphones, which I'm assuming was on purpose. But uh, the, Sam or Ronaldo, did y'all, who did y'all, did you both have Reigns or did one of y'all have a different uh, person for the wrestler on the rise? Um, so I, I had Reigns. Um, I, I thought that he, Ronald did not have reigns, so, but, but um, I was sort of, uh, one of the things I appreciated about it was I'm so rarely shocked anymore. And there was literally a, uh, there was a report from a dirt sheet that I read that said that rain, that there had been rumors that reigns and Brock were going to come back and that there was just no chance that either one was going to come back. So it's like, man, you know, Roman, I respected Roman's decision not to come back and take care of himself. Great. All wonderful. Um, and then for him to come out was so shocking. And, and I think that in a weird way, it's good that he, he took the time off because, like, you didn't have a chance to miss him. And I realized, like, holy crap, it's good to have him back. Like, and he was. He also had the first cool shirt that he's like ever it. had. Mm. Yeah, that's a stone, basically a stone cold shirt, which I didn't realize from, I guess it was when he was like the GM or, you know, in that time frame, because I do not remember it from when he was wrestling, which I was still watching WWE on a regular basis, but it was pretty much the same thing, except it said raise hell instead of, uh, what did the bottom line of rain say? It was like wreck house. Wreck house, there you go, yeah. yeah. Wreck everything. Wreck everything, yeah. There you go. Uh, Ron L, do you want to say anything on Reigns, or do you want to just get into uh, who your honor is? No, I will touch on Roman Reigns. I was actually quite surprised, pleasantly, uh, that Roman is back. I'm actually happy to see him back. I'm just not happy about the fact that he may be in the title picture. What I did also like was, you're right, the shirt was awesome. Um, the smack talking he was doing to the fiend while grabbing the belt, like, you know, you guys are nothing without me. This is my, you know, this is my house, basically. And, you know, I heard him saying something about, you know, you're just a freak in a mask. That, real quickly, because I did want to touch on this. Do you think that that's the right thing to be saying when you built up the fiend as this unstoppable nope. monster, and then you have the basically face of the company come back and say you're just a guy in a mask? No, not at all. That was definitely the wrong move. No, it was a very – and speaking of people that we have very fond feelings about because they're not around anymore, it's a very John Cena thing to say. And I think that the – that – yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that, like, I just freaking amassed, like, I, 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 in kayfabe, like, let's say that there's no supernatural things to Bray in the storyline. He's still a guy who is, like, wearing a very, uh, like, disturbing mask who appears to be, in, and again, this is all in kayfabe, but is, is mentally disturbed. So, like, 
okay, he's just a freak in a mask. When he puts on the mask, doesn't feel pain. Like, it's the modern day Undertaker. Could you imagine somebody coming out and saying, "Undertaker, you're just a dude wearing eyeliner"? You know, like right. But but the uh, early on when I don't know if you caught the spot where Bray got dropped on the uh, on the uh, table awkwardly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I was just like look oh. bad, oh. And, and right on the small of the back. I think it's Sean when he hit his ribs uh, at the Mania twenty five match with Taker, which I believe he broke. And and what it was to me actually, what was so interesting about that was that the I took it as in character. I mean, it was one of those where again, it's a happy accident, as Bob Ross would say. <laughs> and, and so we had our little kayfabe. But in kayfabe, like, yeah, that looked incredibly painful. And Bray didn't seem to acknowledge it at all. So, like, okay, he's a freak in a mask. So is Mick Foley. And Mick Foley took, you know, like it does. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that it was a heat of the moment thing. Um, So you think that was Reigns off the cuff, not something that he was told to say? No. No. And I think that this is one of the things I've heard multiple wrestlers say this. Well, I've heard Jericho and Mick Foley share a similar story, which is, um, you know, he called somebody trash or that they, you know, they weren't, you know, just like insulting them. And he said, the guy basically said, I was like, don't do that because either, you know, if you beat me, which you won't, then you didn't beat anybody. And if you lose to me, then congrats, you lost to trash. And it's one of the things that Jericho is best at, which is putting over, uh, Put it, subtly putting over your opponent as, and I think it's sort of a lost art. And I, I, I think that Cena's not good at it, and I think The Rock, Rock was okay at it. He had his moment. Like if he, didn't, he was better like, before he came back. Well, no, I was going to say, I mean, Billy Gunn, he sort of, uh, you know, like the Billy Gunn thing. I think if he respected somebody, he was better at it. But if he didn't respect you, he better. Because he tried Shit. pretty bad in the lead up to their uh, Rumble match. Like, it kind of frustrated me with some of the stuff that he said. Although uh, it did, it, didn't that feud spawn the beginning of the It Doesn't Matter? What, Billy Gunn? Yeah. I think so. I think that the God... But Bobby, my name is Billy. It doesn't matter what your yeah. name is. Um, I mean, geez. Yeah, the... Oh, good Lord. Yeah, but he... he... <laughs> Rhino, you had uh, somebody different for your wrestler on the rise. Who was it? Sorry, I'm not feeling all that well right now. Don't be bashful. Maybe I should really be coughing because of (laughs) who I'm choosing. But mine is Apollo Crews. And solely for the reason that it looks like he's finally over the MVP part of it. Um, he's going to be going into a, the pay-per-view with Lashley. And I honestly think he has a good chance to go through the Hurt Business. And finally, like a month from now, we can finally be completely away from Apollo Crews and the Hurt Business altogether and actually see where we're going to go from there. You mean having him feud with Keith Lee? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then Cedric, Cedric Alexander and then Ricochet. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Archer. I was actually expecting a Cedric Alexander uh, heel turn this past week. I'll be honest with you. I would be kind of excited about an Apollo Cedric Alexander match, but um, 
<laughs> yeah, I <laughs> Missing Man's like, wait, why aren't why aren't they feuding? Like, oh Vince, no. <laughs> they, you gotta admit that he looked great in the white with the belt. Like, that's one thing I've said about Apollo from the get-go is he looks like a million bucks. He can go in the ring. They're doing a better job of doing storytelling with him. I still just almost wish he had some kind of mouthpiece. Uh, you know, I, I think of like, you know, and again, I know this is not really a fair example because he's one of the greatest talkers ever, but you look at Brock Lesnar with Heyman. And don't get me wrong, Lesnar is incredible, but I truly believe that Heyman deserves a ton of credit for both of Lesnar's big runs because, you know, he was the one that basically did the storytelling. He, he did the talking and then just to let Lesnar be a beast. And Apollo in some ways could be that way with his size and his athleticism you know, similar to what MVP's been doing with Lashley lately. If if Brock Lesnar had had to start out with the, the voice, Brock Lesnar does not have the voice that you would expect <laughs> from Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and, and if that had been it, he would have been dead in the water. But I think that there is a value to guys who can't necessarily talk and having a mouthpiece in part because then, you know, if you want to turn them heel, it's a little different when you're face. I think that's, but if you want to turn somebody face from being a heel, then you have that annoying mouthpiece that they turn face, they attack. The wrestler on the slide. Let's start with you, Ron Al. Who, who did you have? Oh, goodness. Uh, for me on the slide, I have Braun Strowman because unfortunately the return of the big dog after such an amazing match, he's really going to be playing third fiddle since, you know, technically he's not no longer the title holder. So I feel that unfortunately either he will, I feel that no matter whether Roman or the fiend wins this coming week, that Braun's likely the one who's going to have to <laughs> eat the, eat the loss <laughs> yeah that uh that's why i was laughing was that yeah i'm with you on that one that he's gonna eat the lost i i will say though i'm glad that they've turned him back healed mm. uh because he's just he's a monster i mean he is when you think of a monster heel like i mean basically if you was built in a lab that's what it would look like I like the subtle change in his entrance. The, the train's new, right? I hadn't mm -hmm. noticed that before. I no, love the look that he finally got rid of that, you know, hair that I'm not sure what that was. That was one of the longest ponytails I've ever seen for a guy that was definitely losing his hair up top. He looks more menacing that way. And, you know, I understood why they, they turned him face because, he, you know, he was so hot, but. I, my favorite Strowman was still, you know, when he was first feuding with Roman and he was just basically running through guys. And he's another one of those guys kind of like the fiend that I don't think he necessarily needs the title to, you know, be a force and be this big thing in WWE. But I do agree that, you know, unfortunately for him, you lose on this pay-per-view. It's almost certain that no matter who wins next week, whether it's the Fiend or Reigns, it's going to be Strowman that takes the pin. I, I agree. One thing that I thought was interesting was I couldn't tell the, the, the piped in noise, but if you watch the response, there were a lot of thumbs down 
mm-hmm. from the people on the the Thunderdome feed, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. I thought it was just interesting to me that the it you know the noise fa- was being piped in too because we talked about this. I didn't notice it live, and I thought it was mostly cheers. That's the sound of it. But then you pointed that out, and when I rewatched it. It was more cheers than booze, but it makes me think that it was noise being pumped in because you're right. There was a lot of people on screen giving, you know, we don't approve of this. And that may have been they figured out quickly that, you know, their noise wasn't really what was being projected as much as, I guess, you know, what they were piping in. Well, somebody pointed this out to me that I don't think that they're – that at all i don't think there was noise at all from them because sinking the levels oh, of a of 100 yeah somebody pointed this and, and like there's the other thing that i pointed out is like the, the like screaming in my apartment so i think the noise <laughs> is piped in um i think the nba does the same thing i think they're doing what the nba is doing where they have the uh screen on and it is actually, you know, no, it's not. They're not actually people who are there making noise. So, Sam, your wrestler on the slide is the same as mine. They weren't even on the card. So it's kind of funny that we both thought of this guy. But I'll let you go first. <laughs> who is yours? Mine was Alistair Black. And that was because of the, that was because the, the Monday Night Raw where he came back and was you know they he could have showed up on the pay-per-view and he didn't and then when he comes back he came back to eat a pin on raw i was just like you know for a guy who felt like he was at one point kind of a big deal not so much anymore yeah and what's really disappointing is and i try not to read dirt sheets and, and look too much into it but there was a you know report i guess it's been about a month or two ago that you know vince mcmahon had soured on him the powers that be the people making decisions in wwe had soured on him and unfortunately what we've seen since that report has came out has been absolutely true I, if i remember correctly he lost two straight matches i believe right before he kind of left one was the seth rollins um and then he comes back and it's like what you said it's not been a ton of fanfare it is interesting that i believe he's going to be on the ko show uh next week i think kevin owens said that during commentary on monday night raw so maybe they're getting ready to reboot or tweak the character but He's another one of those guys that I just think he's got an interesting look. He's got a ton of talent. He's good in the ring. And it is weird that they're just, they really haven't used him effectively his entire time since he's been called up. I, I think one aspect that we, that it, that gets lost is that they are absolutely lousy with talent is that the amount of, and that, again one of those things that i banged the drum on about uh the the show versus tell is if you had like they could have an absolutely banging mid-card scene if they wanted to where you could have like just i without a doubt the raw this is the most talented roster in wrestling history oh yeah all for a company i mean if you look at just on pure ability, but I think that everyone short of Drew, Roman, and the part-timers looks kind of like a jabron. 
they're all this sort of mid-level uh, 50-50 character. And they've done this by the last few years of bringing in these part-timers. And, you know, like they, they basically told fans for a three, four-year stretch that if you're not this one, two, or three big-name guys, you know, every year when Mania would roll around, you'd see like the Triple H's and, you know, The Rock and all these guys that are not even in the company and they're main eventing these pay-per-views rather than building up talent. And, you know, again – you said it, Ronell said it, wins and losses matter. And they've just honestly done a really bad job of not only building anybody up with wins, but also the storytelling. Um, the match of, oh, go ahead. Do you have one more second? Oh, no, I, I just oh, wanted I'm to sorry. jump. I just wanted to jump in on the tail end of that Alistair Black thing. And uh, you and I have been discussing that for the majority of uh, our run on doing this, how they've grossly missed. Uh, used him, guys like Ricochet. Hell, we could even go as far as Ben Balor now. Oh, for sure. Where they just have no idea what to do with these immensely talented dudes, and it's a shame. Well, let me, and this is something, a point that I want to make, and it's something that bothers me, where they have these finishes, where they'll do DQ finishes. They have these 50-50 finishes because they don't want either guy to lose. And no one's forcing you to book the match. Like, they control the universe, and that's the frustrating thing, is that these finishes are finishes to matches mm-hmm. that they – it's a fictional – it's an advantage that they should have as a fictional universe that they just don't seem to get. And that is it, – it's – like, you don't need to have a, you know, a fuck finish because you don't need to book the match. <laughs> You feel like you legitimately, and, and it, it's something that looking to the past is is that it, they've done a good job at different points where like having storylines tie together, where you might have, uh, you could have, and, and it's something with like the baby faces that you see where like I can't remember that they talked about somebody being a locker room leader and that person's just getting their ass kicked by like eight thousand heels, and it's like well you know, they're such a locker room leader. Why doesn't the good guys come out and help them? The, uh, let's move on to the match of SummerSlam. Ronnell, what did you pick for the best match on the card? Honestly, I was, this was one I had to rewatch SummerSlam. I was literally just watching it like less than two hours ago again. And it was hard because there was three of them that I really wanted, but I went with um, Asuka and Sasha uh, only because of the fantastic storytelling from the Sasha and Bailey that carried into the match and the way that they had used that story, the, the same, almost the same type of move to have Asuka be one step ahead the second time to be able to pull it out. Sam, what was yours? Mine actually was <clears throat> on the same vein. And it was uh, Bailey versus Asuka. I, I, (laughs) yeah, I I thought that it was, and uh, I I just thought that they, I mean, all three of these women are so talented. And uh, Rana, I know uh, Keith did. Did you watch the the documentary series on the Bailey Sasha? uh, Brooklyn takeover. Yeah. Yeah. No, I still need to watch that. The, the WWE is so good with their production department with this stuff. It's great. 
And it is, and, and I just, it reminded me, like, and think about that. Like, that was the opening match of the show was Bailey, Sasha. And I just thought that that was such a good, I just thought it was a banging match. I thought they did a great job with it. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, and I thought that it did a good job of, you know, I didn't think that it hurt Asuka to lose. And, I, I, and I'm with you. I thought that it, it actually, I'm glad that we each picked one of those matches because I thought that it did a good job of, uh, you know, sort of covering how good the three of them were, not just in ring work, but also in terms of like telling a cohesive story. Is Asuka underrated at this point? Because, I mean, I was thinking about it the other day. I can't think of a bad match that she's had on a big stage, and yet she doesn't seem to get mentioned quite as much as obviously the Four Horsewomen, uh, you know, for her quality of matches. Uh, I would say that Asuka and, and Charlotte are the two most consistent uh, big match performers. Agreed. If, yeah, if if you had to tell me if I was booking, and I know RC is going to be like, yeah, rabba rabba rabba. <laughs> oh, but if, if if you handed me the WWE book, WWE would go out of business in two days. But but if I if you handed me the book, it said book WrestleMania, <laughs> and I had to book just based on ring ring, like I it, Sasha. I mean, I'm sorry, Charlotte. Uh, Oscar's a no brainer. I I can't think of a a match where the of those two have not delivered. You know, I was watching, like I said, I was rewatching earlier and just watching both of those Oscar matches. And for as much as I was talking crap about what are they doing to my girl? When I look at the entire picture now, well done WWE. Well done. You got me really invested into her and you told an amazing story bringing her and bringing her back in, uh, into a championship. So bravo. And, you know, we talked about how the matches married each other and it was just great storytelling. How about just also the fact that this really, the feud started up with Bailey, you know, winning Sasha the title by beating up Carrie Sane. Carrie Sane is, is just, you know, pleading for Oscar to please come help her. And she did. And it cost her the title. And then that match ended with Asuka putting Sasha in her finisher and Sasha is pleading for Bailey to help her and she did not. And to me, like, we give them a lot of crap and rightfully so. That's really good score- storytelling. And it was something that, like, I caught it immediately and it just, I mean, it, it, it kind of blew me away that they kind of had those two things mirrored. And I, Keith, you pointed that out to me, and it was one of those things where, I, again, you're right, we do give them crap, and there's, you know, jokes about, I've made jokes, and I've been critical about them not paying attention to their own history, and that's a great example of the, of a great, you know, attention to detail and attention to history, and it's, I appreciate it. It makes me, it, it, it's, it is such a reward for us as fans to watch and to pay attention that because it improves the story and it adds depth to a story. So the storyline you should all be paying attention to, I think we can all agree. It's, it's a universal title. We're, you know, I don't think it's a slam dunk that Reigns wins next week, 
I think that they are going to eventually set up Reigns versus The Fiend at Mania. I think that's the money match on SmackDown. And because of that, I almost wonder if they're not, and, and hopefully they've learned some lessons by putting the belt on Reigns too quickly in situations and honestly not helping his character at all to no fault of his own. But I have a feeling The Fiend is actually going to win uh, next week. Again, it's probably going to be Strowman that, that takes the pin. And then it's going to be Reigns basically trying to chase The Fiend going into Mania, and then you're probably going to have him going over. But I will say that, and this is why I, I'm a huge fan of Roman Reigns, because he just makes things interesting. And SmackDown, like, the, I'll give Bray and Braun, it's, it's been pretty interesting for, you know, a three-month arc. Um, but things are really interesting now with these three guys. And I think the match will be great with the three of them together. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes. Yeah, I basically agree with everything you say. I also think that um, The Fiend has to go over next week or else uh, you've done uh, this whole Braun uh, feud a disservice. Not to mention you've hot-shotted The Fiend slash Bray Wyatt again. You know what I mean? Where he didn't have that long of a title run last time. No. I, I, I think that actually I wouldn't be shocked if they did uh, Bray – and Braun, you know, Braun confirming a heel turn and sort of going under the thrall of the fiends and joining him again and maybe being sort of a heater to have uh, to have a feud with Roman and Braun to set up the to get to Bray. Right, you would have called that one, buddy. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, Sam, you've got me over here. Um, you know, You're saying that months ago. <laughs> Contemplate and change my pants. <laughs> <laughs> but the, well, the other thing, and and uh, just because I'm going to beat my drum tonight, um, the uh, the um, both Bray and uh, Roman are good examples of this of the telling versus showing. Um, Roman main event of what was it? Four straight manias. Yeah, and he lost. Two of them. And he lost, you know, the two, and he was done no favors by the two that he won. Two out of three think, titles, too. Like, you know, the one against Undertaker obviously won a title match. Right. And I think that, so he was one for two. I think that I, I could see, and, but Braun, it's the same thing with Bray, where Bray would just sort of continuously lose. I think that it's, I'm sort of interested too is how fans respond to Bron to Roman and what they decide to do with that. Um, I, I, I would almost rather they've done a, a number one contender match. Uh, I get why again, striking while the iron is hot. Um, but I think that it might've made sense to do the, you know, wait a little bit. Cause I, I don't know when the next pay-per-view is after payback. I don't know if they know. And storytelling, though, I mean, terms, he does have a title shot coming to him, right? Because of what happened at Mania. I mean, you would uh, assume that he would have to have one coming. You would think that uh, once he gets on the mic, he would, um, you know, when we get to SmackDown, of course, that he would say, you know, something about his having to step away. And, you know, I still had a title shot. Uh, on the line and 
I'm here for my title. <laughs> that feels kind of like a heel move, though. Kind of I, an entitled heel didn't move. They, didn't he kind of seem heel, though, in the way he just behaved overall in that? Like, I almost wonder if that's not what we're heading to. Um, it would be interesting. I think that I, I, you have more faith in the WWE than I do, as my <laughs> feeling sort of is that, like, Vince is determined to get Roman over in that regard. Um, I think that there's a lot of micromanagement that's done. Um, I'm with Keith, and I, I think, Ronald, you've agreed to this. Like, Roman is not The Rock, and that's fine. He's not even Steve Austin. Roman, if you were to put somebody, a character that I would compare him to is somebody like Goldberg. And part of why Roman got over with The Shield was he was the exclamation point. Batista's another guy. Yeah, Batista's, you know, a guy who's... Batista, though, is a pretty good talker by the end. By the end, Um, but, I mean, it also was when they let him really be a heel. True. But I I also think that... um, uh, But when you look at The Shield was you had uh, Seth, who was sort of the acrobat, uh, uh, Ambrose Moxley, who was the brawler, and then you had Roman, who was the guy who came in and was the exclamation point, the spear, the powerbomb. Like, and that is where he is best. And I think that's why it was so exciting when he showed up at the pay-per-view, because he was in his wheelhouse. He was just wrecking. Yeah. Um, so let's real quickly go over the face and heel of the pay-per-view. Ron, I'll start with you. Who was your face and heel? Ron, I'm sorry. I, I skidded out. Were you asking me for my uh, face of the uh, Yeah, of your the face, go ahead and give your face and heel of the uh, pay-per-view. Both face and heel. So my face of the pay-per-view, and I have to open my notes because I don't have everything in front of me. I'm almost positive that I said Asuka. Yeah. So Asuka was my face of the pay-per-view for the reasons that we stated earlier about both of those matches. And quite honestly, Bailey was my heel uh, simply just because of one, the amazing match she put on, and two, just the story that you can tell is going on between her and Sasha, which was all nonverbal at the end about, oh, dude, I'm sorry, I kind of uh, didn't have your back as much as you uh, had mine. About the little things that Bailey's been doing lately, I don't know if y'all two caught her kicking and taunting the screens after she won her match, like literally like kicking at the screens and you couldn't hear what she was saying, but just the little things like me and Ron have talked about this a bunch on the podcast, telling the employees you're welcome for your job. When she (laughs) came down for one of the first uh, Raw's of the year when they or excuse me, Smackdown's of the year when they reopened after the pandemic and it just, She's been doing incredible work. And that's why I just, I hope that they're going to make Sasha the face in this feud because it would be a real shame if they end up like basically mm. screwing the pooch and, and, you know, turning Bailey face, which I don't think they're going to, but, <laughs> you know, as I, I, Sam said, he doesn't have very much confidence. So who knows? But it's just, I, it's also so funny to me. Like, I really would love to go back to me from five years ago and be like, Guess who the best <laughs> heel in the WWE is? Like, uh, Bailey? Like, 
<laughs> yeah. You don't have to say female. She's the best heel right now in WWE, period. And it's it's just, I like Sting was the, the comparison that she had when she was in NXT because she was sort of a dumb, you know, she always got betrayed. It, it was, you know, she like was, the surfer Sting, right? Like the original, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was sort of like one of Sting's defining characteristics. <laughs> he always like, screwed over Flair, Luger, it, like. It, everyone. It was always, you know, he got stabbed yeah. in the back. Um, the, uh, but the, I'm actually, I'm gonna, my, my face was also Oscar for the reasons that we, we listed. My heel, I'm gonna change from what I had listed in the notes. I'm gonna go with Orton. I thought that Orton was, as much as I didn't love the body of the match, I thought that he was a very, he has been such a loathsome character that it was, it was really great. And and, uh, I thought it was, I I thought that he was a great heel, but yeah, Asuka was, was sort of the, the, the face to me. I mean, just because she's so, it's I, I don't feel like Vince gets her. I, that's the other thing is that I feel like she is this very weird charisma. Very that charming, Vince, though. Yeah, like, but she's also like she she's the kind of badass that I don't think we see enough in wrestling, which is like she's goofy because she knows that she can kill anybody. Exactly, and and that's real life to me. You know what I mean? And not to mention just personalities, like just because you're really good at something doesn't mean you're not going to be your weird self, especially in, you know, today's age where, you know, when we were growing up, being weird was like, you know, you got made fun of, you were judged, all this stuff. If you read comic books or, you know, or into wrestling or whatever. And now it's almost like, let your freak fly. It's almost more weird if you kind of toe the line. Have you guys watched her YouTube channel, by the way? No. It is, it's like her camping. It's like, it is, it's really weird. Like she is, it's like her cupping, cooking on like a camp stove. I'll, I'll send you, it's very endearing, but really weird. Like it, wife, it is. I was going to say, my wife loves it when she comes out. Her facial expressions when she's screaming in her, you know, her native language is just. Hi, 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 exactly. And like it's her face is just like some of the faces she makes just as hilarious. She was also my face. Uh, of the pay-per-view. I, I don't really know how you could have, maybe I guess McIntyre would be the only other person, or I guess if you want to say The Fiend, but it was Oscar. She had two matches, you know, and that's about the most face thing you can do. And again, just the, the stamina and all that that it takes to, you know, not only just have two matches, but to have two really good matches. Really good matches. The heel of the pay-per-view, though, was Seth Rollins. Um, mm. and, I, and I know that RC thinks he's not been that great, and he says he always fast-forwards on the podcast when I start talking about Seth Rollins, so he might as well go and fast-forward because, I mean, from the start, he had the outfit that Rey Mysterio won at the 98, uh, or wore at the 98 Halloween Havoc against Eddie Guerrero. Uh, He controlled the match. The dialogue he did during it was just outstanding. I love the way he kept taunting Ray, like, you're not going to save your son. You're this bad of a father. All you have to do is come in. You can stop this. And then, of course, finally when Ray gets involved, he handcuffs him to where he can't get involved and then taunts him for that. 
And I had actually mentioned this to Sam and just a, a phone conversation. Seth Rollins has sort of turned into like the Triple H of this generation. And I mean in all the best ways because Triple H, when he was at his best as a heel, was just, he seemed to control everything and be evil. And just because of that, it made every baby <laughs> face that he was feuding with likable. And that's what I felt with it. I had no care about Dominic Mysterio through this entire thing, but through Seth's work in this match, by the end of it, I caught myself like both rooting and feeling sorry for the Mysterio family. I mean, he basically begged his mom to come get some. I mean, that is just so heel. And I just, I've just been so impressed with the work he's done this year. And I hope they continue to let him work at this Messiah gimmick because we haven't even really gotten to see the best parts of it because when a crowd comes back, I feel like that's when it's going to really be effective. Um, one thing, so the crowds, I've, I've, I don't want to say that I've, I've come around a little bit. I think that wrestling needs crowds. Um, I, one thing that I've kind of enjoyed is that there is no, that in the best cases, the crowds give energy and elevate a match. The worst is when crowds are there and trying to get themselves over. They hijack it. Yeah. And I think that for Rollins and Orton are two guys who have benefited immensely from no crowds. Their tone and their voice has improved because I don't think they feel like they have to talk over anybody. The, the yeah, and I think I I think that Orton more than Rollins gets rattled by the crowd, mm. uh, but I think that the that Rollins doesn't have to go out there and and <laughs> talk to his voice. nose. Yeah, because he gets talk, whiny. He does. It's awful. And I, I think that, but it's hard to, it is hard without the crowd to feel like it elevates because like, it's basically like the WWE is like, okay, we're just going to make this 2K. Like it's 2K crap. It's, it's such a good analogy. <laughs> um, I, I can't take total credit for that. Somebody described it in the, uh, a Discord group, uh, Discord uh, like with spandex orphans. Um and they were like oh it's just like like especially like with a flat crowd like and the piping like i think it's literally 2k crowd noise for them um, like when you get they, your finisher up you know the crowd gets going it's like yeah <laughs> um but yeah run what were you gonna i don't know i i just I, i'm totally in agreement with you about seth i mean he's just been flat out amazing lately and I do agree with you both that not having a crowd to speak over where he can just keep his voice and keep the, the, the certain tones in his voice without, like I said, sounding whiny. It, it has been, you know, preachy, which is kind of the gimmick. So I'm, I'm really all behind it. Real quick, I, do, oh, go ahead. I, I do want to jump on one thing that, uh, Keith, the comparison, the other one that I think with Seth and Triple H is the assumption was always that 
Triple H, I think there was this assumption that he was always going to be a star. And in part because he, he ingratiated himself. And, and I don't necessarily mean this as a criticism with getting, you know, going on the booking committee and working. You know, he really worked every end to make sure that he was a star and that he got to be Including marrying the, the boss's daughter. I mean, that's, I, I, I mean it's a joke. I, 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 I know. I, it, it, but, but with Seth, it was sort of the, the like, no one thought that he was going to stay in Ring of Honor long. And, and when he showed up in 07, like he, he, everyone thought that he was like, oh, this guy is special. And I remember that, like Tyler, when he was Tyler Black, like the assumption was like, oh, this guy is a shooting star and he's going to be a huge star in the WWE. And sure enough, I think in the same way. So, but uh, I, I interrupted you. No, you're good. The only thing I wanted to discuss, because we hadn't, before we move on to take over, the Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville match, which the match wasn't fantastic. Um, it wasn't bad. It just, it, it wasn't great. I mean, it's a big stage for both of them. I'm, I'm not knocking them. I was really upset when the match first ended because I'm like, so you change it from a hair to a loser leaves town match. And then you have Sonya lose. And then it was pointed out. And I, I think I saw it on social media and it makes a hundred percent sense that with what happened to Sonya, um, she obviously has, earned some time off with, you know, having a madman with a knife break into her home. And then Sam made a very good point that on top of that, she's going to be going to court. It probably would not be good for, you know, trying to get this guy put away if she's in there with a, you know, shaved head. Uh, So does that all make a lot more sense to you that that's why they changed it? Or do you think it's something else and they're just going to do like raw underground or something with her? Well, I, I sort of wanted to jump in. I didn't necessarily agree. Somebody, that was also another one of the discord where somebody said with the shaved head, I don't know. I, I understood like let a lot of people agreed with it, but I thought that it was like, I didn't see why it would necessarily, uh, but that was something that a point people brought up. I don't want to take credit for it. Um, the other thing is when it was talked about her going to raw underground, I figured that she was going to lose and that they would bring her back and that she would rest, you know, that's how she would get back on the card was that she would go on to Raw Underground and earn a spot back. Rano? Yeah. Um, after hearing about that, it was like, you know, that does actually make a ton of sense for her to get a little, you know, downtime, um, let everything uh, run its course with the authorities, etc., And then, you know, somehow, you know, work her way back i do like the the way of uh what you guys mentioned about maybe using the raw underground to get her back to the main roster let me ask you this real quickly one more thing what about if she got signed with nxt we talked about how the women's division is a little weak right now you let her basically go down to nxt win the belt you know get some exposure build herself back up and then obviously get caught up eventually i think it could be a cool angle I think they need the depth right now in the women's division. Yeah, I was going to say that would definitely help elevate a couple of stars along the way. Yeah, I actually think that's a good idea. Um, and so that's definitely not happening. We know that, right? <laughs> I, I think that the <laughs> NXT, they can play that it's a brand equal to SmackDown and Raw. It is not. Um, we'll get to this with TakeOver. Um, I think that it is, 
it's it's at a low point for uh where it's been just i this happens periodically but i think that it is uh it's not equal it's where you go to develop people i think that you don't go back down there if you're you know you're white hot and so i i think that she she NXT needs her more than she needs NXT, is what I would say. You don't think, though, that a title reign would do her good to come back up? Uh, uh, the Braun Strowman Express is there, apparently. Uh. <laughs> Welcome to my life, living a mile from a, uh, a train track. We are a lot of Braun Strowman Express. I, I think that it would be good for her. Um, I think that, and especially because she's been doing such great work, on NX, on uh, SmackDown, I think it would be beneficial. Could you imagine her and Rhea Ripley? Um, I have to be honest with you. We can get to this when we get to that. But the Hoss off, where I think it was Raquel uh, and Rhea Ripley, I was like, I've never seen a female Hoss match. Mm-hmm. And now I want it more than anything in, the, in my <laughs> life. Both of the, their arms are just incredible. So let's go right into NXT TakeOver. I'm going to start with the wrestler on the rise. It's Pat McFay. I, I just, I'm blown away. He, you know, he said in his promo that you guys better hope that I don't decide to make this the seventh venture that I'm going to make a million dollars in because I could be one of the best wrestlers in the world. And I just thought it was a great promo at the time. I was amazed at how well he looked in the ring, he got the psychology. I mean, the backflip that he landed on his feet mm. uh, just mm. did some incredible stuff. And you got to remember, this guy is not trained as a wrestler, but maybe a few weeks, maybe longer. No, time. no, he had to be training. This, I think that he's he's clearly been training for a while. That was not, and and I, I that is definitely kayfabe. That was not okay. two weeks. Fair enough. Well, but I mean, again, I. I want to know for a fact. Hopefully it'll come out. It usually does. Um, I hope that he sticks around and he does some more stuff. And I'm not talking about from a full-time position, but I think he would be interesting. And the main thing, again, as we discussed last week, he's such a good talker. And that's, like, especially in NXT needed. And even if that's kind of where he, you know, stayed and and did most of this stuff, because I do think that we're going to lead to a war games between Cole, the undisputed era and the football player. I think that's happening. Um, But, and again, I don't want to not give Adam Cole credit. Obviously he deserves a lot of credit for having that great match with him, but I just was blown away by his performance, especially considering I'm sure there's a lot of pressure on him. Uh, and again, he talked all that smack, even though, you know, all trash. Exactly. But uh, Sam, who was your wrestler on the rise? Uh, mine was Cameron Grimes, who, uh, to the moon, grimy. <laughs> the I, I think that he has a great gimmick with that. You know, so much of it in. Uh, and, and it's what I've noticed, and, and I, I just this will get Rarcy nodding along, is that I think that the NXT guys who work best on the roster are not necessarily the most three dimensional guys. But like Elias was a guy who I wasn't a huge fan of in NXT, and he's done a great job with this sort of not hugely deep gimmick. You know that part of what made Bailey 
so uh, exceptional on NXT, for example, was all of the history that she had. And I think that Grimes, you know, to the moon, man. Uh, Brian, who was your pick for face of the I'm going to stick with the same as you, and I'm going to go with our new North American champion, Damian Priest. Uh, I am actually a little surprised, um, pleasantly for him, because, you know, he's been uh, at that mid-card in fighting to get into that North American title picture a couple of times now. And usually with, I've noted, at least since I've been watching NXT, there aren't many super short title reigns outside of Keith Lee, you know, dropping the the North American, but he had the North American title almost the entire year. So I assume that this is going to start getting those next mid-levels. Like uh, Cameron Grimes might be one of those guys he winds up feuding behind this. I'm going to assume Bronson Reed's going to be right there as well. So this is going to elevate a couple of guys and Damian Priest especially. And he's got a body for the main roster. He just needs a little more polishing. Are you guys surprised he won? I was a little shocked. Uh, Surprised, not shocked. Um, I thought that I, I did not, I, I thought that once I realized that the dream, once it wasn't dream, once they weren't going to troll the crowd with dream, I thought that it could have been anyone. Um, any one of the guys, uh, Grimes, I thought could have won. I thought that anyone, I would not have been surprised if any one of them won the North American title. Uh, but I, I thought that was one of the things that made that match exciting was I thought that any one of them could win. And they did a good job. That's one thing, you know, I talked about last week. I didn't understand the five participants. It was kind of a weird bunch of guys. But to your point, Sam, it did make the match, you know, a lot more interesting. It's just like when the rumble comes down to four guys and you legit know that, okay, any of these four guys could win this and it would make sense. Um, Ryan, I'll start with you. Who was your wrestler on the slide from this pay-per-view? My wrestler on the slide, uh, sticking in that same match, uh, Johnny Gargano. Um, It makes me wonder what's going to be next uh, in his realm right now. Um, I know that he was probably in that match to uh, for a little more legitimacy you know guys like him and finn balor making this uh, you know i mean you, it doesn't need to be made more legit you know from the outside because it's for the mid-card title but you had two of the guys which you had to assume were the favorites heading in and well sorry johnny and it's like i i, I don't know what's gonna what's gonna be next for him and candace loray after this sam i i think oh my for who was my guy on the slide yeah carrying cross i thought that 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 was the worst takeover main event ever <laughs> that i i can remember um i would need to go back and watch some of the shinsuke nakamura Rob, robert rude matches but the the it, i i the 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 what the match that I compared it to was, and I know he hurt his shoulder, and I hope that that I hope that he's okay, and I hope that's why the match didn't go well. But not only did it not feel like it ever got out of second gear, it never really felt like it got out of first gear, and it it just, you know, and, and to beat Keith Lee, I didn't feel like it did any favors. You know, one of the things that NXT has really been good about is when guys win, guys win. 
and they, you know, they really look good in winning. And that match felt like the worst kind of Triple H match. So my guy on the slide is Timothy Thatcher. Um, if this would have been two years ago, losing to Finn Balor is, you know, nothing to even bat an eye at. But however, in today's Finn Balor, who has been beat time after time and appears to be going nowhere, and Thatcher was actually somebody with momentum, and this would have been a really big win for him, I was just really surprised that he lost this match. Uh, and I hope this means that Balor's either going to be quickly in either the North American title picture or the NXT, you know, title picture. But I just don't have a lot of confidence in that right now because they just have not used him lately. Well, that's kind of why he had to beat Thatcher is that I, I he is not, I don't, I couldn't remember a match that he had won before this. So does this get back to the point you were making earlier? That's like, why book these two guys? Couldn't you have picked somebody other than Timothy Thatcher who has been one of the like newer guys that you, they appear to have been building up. Yeah. I mean, even that, that riddle on his what you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. It's, which is funny when we get into, I actually, uh, you know, I, I think that it, we, this feeds into what my match to the pay-per-view was. Yeah, go ahead. And I, I thought that it was Thatcher and Finn. And in fact, one of the things, and one, I actually appreciated it more. I think that matches that where the, the psychology is based on the arm are very hard to make exciting. And I thought that that was part of the problem with the carrying cross match is that, and, and so the fact that I really liked the Thatcher match and I thought that Thatcher looked really strong in losing to Finn. Um, I was a little surprised by the finish. I thought that they were going to go a little longer. But I thought that it, that was my match of the night. Ron, what was yours, buddy? Uh, mine was, quite honestly, Adam Cole and Pat McAfee. I, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised to see how well McAfee moved in the ring. And like you had said earlier, landing on your feet after that moonsault off the top rope, like – uh, and eating a lot of that. Uh, what is there was a nice superplex in there. Oh, that was like, there was a there was a couple, and like he had really good form with it. it was like you definitely put in the work, Pat, and you know I, I applaud that. The uh, that was my match of the the night too. I mean, we we've gone into that. The storyline that we should be paying attention to. To me, and this is more in real terms, is carrying cross because mm. if the injury is bad, I hate to say this, Sam talked me into it. I'm excited. And I, and obviously not that he's hurt, but it would be awesome to have an NXT title tournament. Uh, it would allow Cross to, you know, get right, get healthy. And then obviously he'd come back and immediately get a title shot against whoever wins the tournament. But NXT has proven time and time and time again. That is one of the things they really know how to do. Yeah, uh, that actually is quite exciting. And, um, you know, like we were just talking about, I honestly think Finn Balor definitely needs to be in a title picture of some sort. I, I don't understand. He's been down the major down back in NXT for the majority of this year. And 
in the beginning, it looked like he was going to be vying right there with Adam Cole for the title. And then they took that away. And then it was like, okay, so now what, what are you doing with the dude who's obviously one of the most talented on this entire roster? The I, I think that Finn would be a great first challenger for carrying cross uh, or I, and more so I think than uh, and I think that's Chamba. why the win against Thatcher makes sense. Yeah. Well, th- actually, and, and the the chomp. The other thing is, is that the is that there were some people who were sort of shocked that Keith Lee lost. But uh, Cross really trucked Champa in about ten minutes, and that match was almost twice as long with Keith Lee. So that was kind of my point. Did you guys have a different storyline to be paying attention to? Uh, I. I said the NFL undisputed era, just because if, if they're going to have matches that are that good with all of them, I mean, you know, war games with all of those guys, kind of exciting. Yeah. That, that would be something that you wouldn't, when you think you don't need so much of an experience to have a good, you know, tell a good story in something like war games. I, I actually hard disagree. Really? I that, yeah. I think, I think it's that, more just a brawl and that would be something that's more suited for them because you're not doing a lot of technical wrestling. And But then those guys would all have to be trained for at least a 15 minute match. I believe they moved it to what? Three minute increments and then eight guys. So we're talking about a 25 minute match. Those guys have to be trained up enough because, you know, you're not going to be able to do 24 minutes of excellent spots. Well, yeah, but there, there's a lot of laying around and stuff. It's kind of like the rumble. It's not mm. like there's a ton of action for everybody in the match throughout it. At the same time. Right. Uh, true, but if you think about – so I'm, I'm just looking right now about – so the last year's War Games was uh, 38 minutes. Uh, 2018 was uh, 47 minutes. And uh, 2017 was uh, the shortest at 36 minutes. And I think that the other thing is, is if you think about those, like that was the thing that McAfee did that impressed me the most was he did that swanton onto all, you know, Mm. is that those big spots. And again, uh, that's actually one of the benefits of the pandemic is that, you know, if you're not wrestling, but once or twice a week in on TV uh, or at a pay-per-view, then you have a lot of time to rehearse. Did so, they tape TakeOver or was that live? I assume live. I know that the, the SummerSlam, I think, would have to be live because if you're doing the Thunderdome thingy, you have to. Oh, yeah, Exactly. But I just wondered if TakeOver wasn't, you know, taped. And, again, if they do that again for the, you know, next, that's another thing that would benefit the guys because they could obviously, if there's any botches or stuff like that, like they did for Mania, just reshoot it. Uh, Rondo, did you have a different storyline to pay attention to? I did. I'm very much interested in seeing what's going to be the first and second um, challenge for Damian Priest in the North American title picture. Who would you Um, pick? Uh, I am going to say, especially considering they had had a little beef before it started, I'd have to go with Bronson Reed. So uh, let's do the face 
Well, let's do these individually. Who is the face of the pay-per-view? Ron, I will stay with you. Who was your face at this? Uh, My face was Adam Cole uh, defending the brand and also putting on a really excellent match. Uh, him and Pat really, really surprised me. And he carried well, – I can't even say he carried Pat. Pat definitely – brought his own to to the table but you know adam cole defending again, the black and gold brand to pat that who thought you know you kind of talk about like bailey would be a heel who would have thought that would be able to say that adam cole with his character you know is the face of the week i mean even a month ago yeah yeah and that i i had the same pick as ronnell and i i just i think that even if he didn't carry the match, being the veteran and being, you know, making, I, I, I just think that the lack of ego on him to go out there and bump <coughs> for a guy where, you know, and, and I have to be honest with you, like the little, like calling him short and that kind of stuff does kind of bother me because like, cool, you got beaten up by a little guy, Pat. And like, if we're not doing weight classes in wrestling, which we really don't anymore, you but i was able to forgive all that and for um but that cole was willing to bump and the fact that he was sort of there defending the honor i thought that was great so my face of the pay-per-view is going to confuse people but it's keith lee the reason is and i talked to sam about this it's one of the unique great things about nxt is the fact that when the champion loses you know it's for bigger and better things. You know that they're probably ending their NXT run. They're about to get called up to the main roster, which is exactly what happened for Keith Lee. And because of that, I thought that, yes, it was not his best match, but I'm very happy for Keith Lee. And I do think the story that they told was really smart. And that's something we haven't really discussed the fact that, you know, people were confused when Keith Lee won both belts, immediately gave up the North American title, and then obviously loses the world title, you know, practically in his first real defense at a pay-per-view. But Keith Lee had already done all he could do once he became the first guy to hold both the North American and the world title. I told Ron L on a previous podcast episode that if I was booking, I would have right then and there been like, I'm going to, you know, relinquish both belts. I've done everything in NXT and I'm going to move up to SmackDown or Raw. But instead they, you know, built up Karrion Cross. Yes, I would like the match to be a lot better, but it's big for Cross that if you look at it, whether he's going to miss some time or not, in his short time in NXT, he has destroyed Ciampa and beat Keith Lee. And again, we believe wins and loss matter. That's a big deal. I, I agree, and I think that Keith I, – I feel bad, honestly, for carrying Cross getting hurt and because I, I, I don't know how much of that – I was impressed that he could do this, the you know, top row or the middle rope cytosuplex with a separated shoulder. Yeah. I mean, and, That's amazing. And, yeah. I mean, so – and I, I hope that that was – you know, like there are just some guys whose style I'm not a huge fan of. I'm not a huge fan of Bobby Roode's style. Um, the, you know, but, but I, I actually wonder if they'll have Gargano wrestle, um, I, I, Gargano's a heel right now, but there is, I think he's going to go do, uh, 
do the uh the retribution thank you very much yes so let's do the hill pay-per-view or the pay-per-view then we can do dynamite go ahead uh sam uh mine was carrying cross i thought that you keith lee is i i mean i think that everyone is sort of waiting for him like he's such a gift machine um, in a way that I don't think any other wrestler, maybe Brock Lesnar, but the, like the, and Brock Lesnar's are more funny gifts, you know, like him holding the money in the bank proof case. Like it's a boom box. Boom box. Yeah. Whereas like Keith Lee's are like him, like launching somebody into the eighth row with a, like with a pounce. Um, like Keith Lee, it ha- is just like a guy and you're striking while the iron is hot. Um, I, I I just the match was so I would have I I honestly didn't think it did a whole lot of favors for Cross because I he you know, he didn't get to kick out of uh, the Big Bang catastrophe he didn't get to kick, like I I but I, I I saw it but I thought that him beating the hero of NXT was a big deal and and something that you know was a heel move. Ron, who was your heel of the week? Mine was also carried cross for pretty much the same reason. You beat the biggest biggest fish in the pond. <laughs> you beat one bad mofo. Yes, ma'am. Uh, my, mine's, mine's the same thing, so we don't need to go over that. Um, let's move on to Dynamite, which they had their first Saturday episode. I didn't realize, and I think, till last night. It's actually on Thursday this week, so they're, they're moving all over the place during the playoffs, which makes sense. Obviously, because the NBA is a bigger draw, but it is weird that they didn't really advertise this a lot beforehand. I wasn't sure that last Saturday was the first Dynamite that was not going to be on its normal time on Wednesday. I didn't know that they were already changing it to Thursday the following week, Um, but they put together a good card. Um, Ron, I'll start with you. Who was your wrestler on the rise from Dynamite Saturday? Strangely enough, in a loss, I have the Lucha Brothers and the Butcher and the Blade. Um, I, I like, uh, I don't know that much about Eddie Kingston, uh, except for what I got to see um, as he first arrived and challenged Cody. But considering that it seems like he had um, history with all those guys and he's going to kind of, you know, rally the troops and see what kind of thing we're going to turn this into, apparently, since. Uh, Death Triangle is a no-go with Pop uh, not being back yet. Uh, I feel that they might actually turn them into something, and who knows, one of these two teams um, may be in the tag title picture sooner than later. Sam, who was your wrestler on the rise? Uh, My wrestler on the rise was Brody Lee. Um, I thought that he, you know, he he trucked Cody. (laughs) And uh, I thought that I was glad that they got the put the title on him. I feel like he's a guy who is really underutilized in WWE and who, you know, that's the kind of guy I, I think that he he has the potential to be a big time uh heel. I don't love the the Vince gimmick. It feels um I the first place company never trashes the second place company. Um the way that way. I mean the WWE did Gilbert, but even that, you know, it, it is not the same as uh, the, like the billionaire Ted thing is what I always think of. I always think that the second place company 
you know, you, you take the shots at the top, the big dog, because you're, you're looking up at them. I, I agree there. And mine was also Brody Lee. The, I mean, AEW really gets booking right. Uh, and when they do, they get it really right. And I just love this because Brody Lee, we, we, we discussed that it was disappointing how they built him up so big. They made him, you know, the leader of the Dark Order. And then he got beat by Moxley. And then it seemed like they didn't have any direction for him. And then here you go. And he defeats Cody when it looked like Cody was in the midst of this really long title reign that I think most people thought was going to last a little bit longer. And then they definitely set, like, as many smoke signals as possible for the Cody Rhodes heel turn because technically it's Arn Anderson who's been convincing him to, you know, have all these challenges and take on all these indie guys. He got the crap beat out of them both during the match and after it, and nobody came and helped him, which I thought was, again, setting up for Cody turning on everybody, which is just really smart booking all the way around. And I'm really excited for Brody Lee because I think you're going to get to see some of these smaller guys take on Brody Lee, and he's going to look like a giant against some of the guys that he's going to be facing probably in the weeks and months to come. Yeah, I like what you're – I like all of that. Um, On top of it, you know, they had even put up the thing that Cody had put up nine title defenses. He's been on TV for the better part of the last three months consistently. And the reason I didn't really put Brody on the rise other than trying to have a different answer is I was already kind of sold on him. Um, You and I were. Um, I'm just glad that they now given him a better direction and now making him a champion. Like you said, he's going to get in here and he's probably going to do it heelish because he's definitely not going to be doing the challenges the way that Cody Rhodes did. So we're probably only going to be looking at a title defense or two a month. And Let's see how, how well he uh, carries this on. All right, Ron, let's stay with you. Who's your wrestler on the slide? My wrestler on the slide, I had Cody Rhodes, actually. Uh, falling right into that trap that uh, we had said, but, you know, you he had gotten truck-sticked. Uh, it, it was uh, a well-done match, but, like, he just got ran through, and to see what – this is going to become and um, I think I did see something and I had meant to send it to you guys where I saw that Cody may be uh, taking a step back from you know being so uh, in our face every week Sam who was yours um, I had Orange Cassidy um, I just thought that he you know I I the bloom is kind of off the rose with the whole like they they did the segment with Jericho and Jericho's great you know I've talked about that at um at getting over uh you know getting people over but I I just you know the I just didn't didn't do it for me yeah I I hate to agree with you because uh there's a, you know, the El Presidente and IB Sports was really disappointed that Jericho went over Cassidy. And I argue, no, it's going to be great because he's going to end up getting two wins back on Jericho and, it, and it, it's going to all work out, make it bigger in the end. And 
I mean, a mimosa match, that's the blow-off. Like, I, I love Chris Jericho. I think he's done phenomenal work, but, like, I was I was like, he just compared the mimosa match to money in the, money bank. In the bank. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, I just, I don't understand how this is going to be the blow-off that's going to make Orange Cassidy look like a million bucks. Uh, because to me, it, it even makes his character more gimmicky, which is already the issue with Cassidy is, you know, taking him seriously. And they kind of dragged this thing out too long. It's losing steam. I hope maybe I'm wrong. And maybe the match will be great. And maybe it'll work out gangbusters. But I'm not nearly as confident as I was two, three weeks ago. If I, I wanted to follow up on that because it reminded me of something, which is I'm with RSC. I think that you have Jericho, you know, going back to the one, two, three kid Razor Ramon feud where you have uh, Orange Cassidy get a shock win, have Jericho get his win back and then do a rubber match and have Orange Cassidy win again. I think that him losing was a big mistake. Um, and that's just where I'm at with that. No, I, I always tell people, one thing about me, I'll admit when I'm wrong, and I think I was wrong in that. Like, at the time, I felt very confident in it, but now with the way this storyline is playing out, I'm not crazy about it. Uh, my match of the show was Brody Lee versus Cody because it was shocking. I mean, there was better matches on the card. I just was shocked at how much Cody was dominated. I was really happy by how, like, big and bad it made Brody Lee look I mean you know Cody's not small especially in the AEW world and I mean he just manhandled him uh and again I really love the booking of that match I think it's leading to Cody definitely turning heel like in the near future uh I mean I even like the you know Brandy winning the tag tournament I could see him even using that also as his heel turn that you know his own spouse won and, you know, he lost his title on the same night. So there's just a lot of stuff lining up for Cody to have a ton of grievances. And that's what make the best heel turns. Uh, Sam, what was your match of the show? I had not to agree too much. I thought it was Cody versus Brody Lee. I, I wish this had come honestly before the Moxley match. Um, if, if we were going solely by match quality, I probably would have gone with the uh, Dark Order versus the Elite, which I really mm. enjoyed. But I ultimately thought that the the Cody versus Brody match did so with so many moving parts of story. You know, it, it reestablished Brody Lee's character. It got him over, you know, it got him over as a threat. It's planted the seeds for the heel turn. I thought that it was so effective that ultimately it's going to be such a pivotal match, such a crossroads match. Uh, there's no need for me to add on, but mine was the exact same. So what storyline should you be paying attention to after Dynamite run out? I am going to be probably the uh, outlier here, and I'm going to say the women's title picture. Um, seeing the Thunder Rosa, um, and I got a chance in the last couple of days that, you know, take a couple of links uh, and look into her they're bringing in another woman who may legitimately take the title off of Hikaru Shida. I was excited for Shida to get the title. And unfortunately, 
she's been quite underwhelming as a champion and you know to no fault of her own you know uh, it's the booking there you know i was expecting maybe a penelope four title shot when we were talking about that way back then and they haven't really done anything with Sheeta to push her nor the division further sam what was yours um, I'm gonna, uh, uh, I think that it's the, the heel turn that I, I was going to go with, uh, sort of the elite breaking up, which I think is coming, um, in terms of, I think that the Cody thing, the hangman page and Omega and young bucks, I think that they're, we're coming to the Omega, we're coming to the elite ending. Especially after with Hangman uh, in that little uh, spot with FTR and Tully there. That's what I was saying. That's my storyline to pay attention to. Not only are they going to break up, we're heading to Hangman and FTR versus Omega and the Young Bucks. And I am 100% in on it. The the one thing that kind of bums me out is that I think that that means that FTR and that Hangman Page is going to be the heel of this. And I was like, hmm. I kind of wish he was the Young Bucks worked heel before, though? Or no? I'm honestly, I'm probably not. The, I, I have a love-hate thing with the Young Bucks. Um, they're, they're very talented. They're just not always my cup of tea. Oh, that's very spot. Like, it's a, it's a spot fest. But mm. it's like I tell people, you get them with the right opponent, it's it's... I mean, stuff I've never seen. And I hadn't had a lot of experience in watching their matches until AEW. But, I mean, like, their match versus Hangman and Omega is probably still my favorite, like, wrestling match of 2020. Um, So, we agree, or or pretty much all there on the storylines. Who was your face of the show, Sam? Uh, my face of the show was uh, the Young Bucks. Um, you know, I think that they're that, that's sort of unfortunate. They're sort of caught up in they're a little left out in the cold with the rest of that storyline, where you have uh, Cody and then you have Hangman Page and uh, and Omega. But I think that they they sort of were the faces of the show. Wow, yeah, I, I I had the same, um, especially with saving that one uh, Dark Order guy from, you know, the the apparent. Clo- and that's the one thing that I don't understand how they're going to pull this off because if Kenny Omega is indeed part of the elite, and those guys have to keep t- you know peeling him off of someone else, how how well is that going to work out? But uh, I definitely had the Young Bucks just because of that. Yeah, that actually was my pick as well. What's disappointing is, you know, I think it was Ron L. last week who had that great uh, booking, you know, basically suggestion that he made of Omega joining the Dark Order, which I think that would be incredible with Brody Lee. And it's kind of hard to see that with, you know, mm-hmm. him basically trying to kill the guys after they had already won the match, which we've seen that. Uh, several times from Omega recently. Um, so let's go to the last one, which is heel of the show. I went back on Brody Lee and FTR, and I'm going to go with FTR because Brody Lee was the best heel of the show, you know, physically, did it in the match. But I just love manipulative heels. 
and the way that they <laughs> manipulated Hangman Page and took his vulnerability, which we all know, it's been a storyline with this from the get-go, that you're not on the same level with these guys. And when you lose the belts, you're going to go right back beneath them was just brilliant, especially because Hangman came in there ready to fight them for their action from last week. I just love that kind of storytelling. I love those kind of heels. That was my heel of the show. Ron, who was yours? Uh, mine was Brody Lee, but um, like you said, you, you really can't discount FTR. That was uh, actually, as you know, I'm not one for really watching small interviews multiple times or small segments like that, but I did watch that one a couple of times. And you're right, the way they finessed uh, Hangman, like, hey, listen, the thing with Ricky Morton and Bobby, the, that was all business, you know, they got in our thing and, you know, our new manager and so on. So it was, I had to. I loved it. <laughs> it, was, it was really sweet. Oh. Um, I went with Brody Lee just because the whole point, like, and I'm going to hammer him losing to, to Moxley because it really bothered me. But sense. like the whole point of him, like the, the character being that some of the goofier stuff, like the Vincent Mann stuff, it works because he's a psychopath and that he's able to do that destructive stuff in the ring. So that story only works if he's a monster and they really got that right. And if they'd done it from the beginning, might've been better. Are they? Do you think they're going to make the Dark Order now the like big bad faction of AEW? Because it, it appears that the Inner Circle, uh, I don't want to say they're losing steam, but they're just not as involved in the title picture and, and all that kind of thing. Are we getting to where the Dark Order is going to be the, the kind of the big bad group or faction? Uh, yeah, I think that's where we're headed. I think that we're headed towards them as sort of the, the, though I don't, I think we're moving away from the, the sort of the factional warfare. Um, I, at least where they were, I think that the, the first year was very much the elite, the inner circle. And I think that they're going to start pivoting away from that is what it looks like. I'm also interested to see, uh, uh, just going on further with the Dark Order, at least they uh, also have, there's other storylines within the Dark Order to keep our eye on. Um, Whoever that young female talent is uh, who wound up choking out Brandy during the attack on Cody after the match, I can't wait to see what winds up happening with her a few months down the road if she starts getting a little more seasoning. And the fact that they still... I mean, they have Colt Cabana, but it's like he's not fully there, but he is, but he's not. So, you know, they've got a couple of stories that they're also telling. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe one of their tag teams will be in this um, this little uh, round of uh, tournament that they got going for the number one contender to the tag titles as well. So one thing before we, we finish this up, I did not like – either promo from Moxley or MJF this week. And they've both been really good uh, up until this point. And I'm still really looking forward to the match, but the Moxley promo was, it almost seemed out of character. Uh, You know, he's normally kind of this deranged, you know, kind of wild man. And he just seemed kind of like a cocky, like, 
high school football player or something, which I thought was strange. I think he mocked MJF's size, if I remember correctly, at one point, and uh, wearing a neck brace. And and then for MJF, did y'all notice the people in the background? The girl smiling distracted me so much that I couldn't even watch the interview. I had to rewind it back twice because both times there was the one female there and she awkwardly smiled the entire promo. If you did not notice it, go back and watch it. You like cannot unsee it once I you see didn't. it. I didn't. I actually I didn't, like, but then again, that does. <laughs> Sorry, Sam, go ahead. No, 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 go on, go on, go on. No, I was just saying I like that because um, if it's the same woman, um, that's kind of her thing, and that's what MJF has, you know, been on her about. Hey, come on, smile! Like on every one of these uh, campaign promos, you know, that's his thing with her. So if that's was actually happening, the fact that it was one of those tiny details, I like it. Well, I actually had forgot about that, and you're right; that would be impressive because it was so weird and like distracting. I, I also I laughed because I checked how many signatures the uh, the petition had, and uh, spoiler alert, it was not as many as MJ said MJF said, <laughs> um, but it actually did like like it, it was like five thousand when I checked, um, but it, it did make me laugh. I'm always a fan of that kind of like it reminded me of the Jericho um, when he was doing the conspiracy victim. Um, and, and so I appreciated that Moxley's was like, I, I don't know. I, I'm a little, was I wrong I, though that that was like really out of character for it? It just didn't seem like it did sound Moxley. a little strange. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been a little low on Moxley recently. I think that I'm looking forward to him losing the title. Um, I've, I, I talked to Keith about this, but I've sort of like when punk left the WWE, and people were like, oh, what do you think? She's like, I don't watch it. Like, I'm over it. I don't watch it. And Am- uh, Moxley keeps talking about the WWE. It's like, bro, like, I get it. Let it go. It, it, yeah, you didn't enjoy your time there. You've been gone for almost a year. And You're like, the champion of the other promotion. Like, why do you care? Yeah, and it's like, if you're satisfied in AEW, like, I mean, I get I, – I, Keith, I don't know if you were the one who said that Renee probably brings a work home with her, but, like – at the same time, it's just like, let it go. Like, let it go. You're gone. Like, I, I, I got it at first, and I understood, like, the, the, what is now going to be the traditional post-WWE podcast appearance. Right. But, like, <laughs> but, but let it go, man. Like, I, I like Moxley a lot, and I think he's immensely talented. Um, but I, and I think he was, like, WWE was a bad fit for him, and I'm glad he's in AEW. But at the same time, like, it, it just sort of soured me on his character and i'm just not hugely i'm honestly AEW is not i i was surprised that i'm more interested in the wwe because i think AEW is doing a better job but there's more that i'm interested in the wwe right now real quickly one last thing do you think mjf is going to win the belt here i mean we're now two weeks away he has to i mean if he doesn't that's a huge mistake right now yeah, I, I honestly was expecting a little bit of a longer title reign for Moxley. But also, like Sam said, I'm actually kind of getting a little stale on Moxley, and I'm a huge Moxley fan. I'm just, let's 
let's move forward. Let's get something uh, fresh um, going along. And MJF, quite honestly, even though, you know, I know like his uh, social medias are probably fan run pages or whatever. Everything this kid is touching right now, uh, I mean, outside of this past week, you know, having a quote unquote attorney yelling for you. uh, He's been absolutely fantastic during this, during this lead up to this match. So I think it would be a good time to put the title on him. Yeah. I, I, I hope he wins. I'm not confident that he's going to, uh, but I just, I said it, I think a few weeks ago when, when we first knew that this was where they were going for the, the next pay-per-view, he is the perfect guy to let have the belt for, you know, a few months, build up whoever is the next, you know, big face, especially up and comer, not a WWE guy that you want to put over and then have him eventually beat MJF after he basically just, heals it up, you know, for God knows how many pay-per-view and matches and weasels his way out of win after win after win. I'm super excited for Wardlow basically being his diesel to HBK. (laughs) Yeah. And just like, I I think that there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of potential story. It's actually kind of a shame that Cody's going to turn heel uh, because him beating MJF. And it would give him a reason to finally get the title. Like that, that would definitely be a way to get him back, right into the you know the title stipulation. And I mean to have, I mean, or to have MJF. Like I, I'm always a fan of heels hubris getting the best of them. Mm-hmm. And and I mean MJF would have to be champion for a while, but then eventually have him be like, so you know, and arrogant. yeah, yeah, like I've beaten everybody and have like somebody like we have beaten Cody. <laughs> And then it's like, well, you know, oh, I already have beaten him. That's how why he can't wrestle for the title again. And have him be like, well, you know, you you know, you can challenge him. You could you could wrestle him. Um, before we get out of here, I always like to give you guys a chance to plug your stuff. Ron, out what you want to plug? Uh, I am going to plug my Twitter, uh, my first initial uh, S, my last name, how H-O is an Oscar, U-G-H, 610. Um, how, about our, how about our Twitter page? And uh, that, and the, I will plug the team turnbuckle. Uh, hold on, I uh, I should know this off no, the you top. Got, of my head. It's it's just literally team turnbuckle. Team turnbuckle, yeah. So we got lucky there, but we did. We just started a few days ago, uh, so uh, please be sure to follow us uh, there. We would appreciate it. And um, we're going to be back later in the week because we still have. Uh, a Dynamite episode Thursday, we have NXT Wednesday, SmackDown Friday, and we, we really didn't get to talk about Raw, which was uh, up and down. It, it had some really good parts. It also had some stuff that I, I don't know what was going on, but uh, it was a fun wrestling week, and, and I've said it a few times during this, you know, whole pandemic, uh, wrestling has, has been something that's kept me entertained when there's not a lot of TV shows being made, not a lot of movies. And again, I know a lot of times we give it crap, but I do appreciate wrestling, as I always do, for giving me something to, you know, let you kind of forget about your problems or whatever and just kind of turn your brain off and have fun. So 
Uh, I'm thankful for that, and I'm also thankful for both Sam and Ron L for coming on here and nerding out and talking about wrestling for an hour and a half each week. So uh, with that, this has been another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast, and we will be back sometime this weekend. We'll see you guys then.